Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Today is August 11th, 2021, and our first story. The Biden administration is sounding the alarm over rising gas prices warning. It could lead to a stagnation in the recovery process. It's a bit ironic considering the rise in gas prices is the fault of the Biden administration and Joe Biden's policies. But the media says fact check not true because they're ignoring the real issue, the labor shortage caused by Joe Biden's economic policies. In our next story, the GOP in Texas has issued arrest warrants for 52 Democrats. Oh, they can and will be arrested. And in our last story, more soldiers to be deployed into Sydney as the lockdown in Australia intensifies. Now, before we get into the news, leave us a good review. And if you really like the show, share it with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. The Biden administration has issued a very ironic warning sounding the alarm over rising gas prices, saying that it threatens to hurt a now recovering economy. And he's calling on OPEC to increase production, get this petroleum out there. We got to make sure gas prices do not get too high. Now, the reason why I say it's ironic is because I think it's fair to say gas prices are the responsibility of the administration. I mean, he's the president. The buck stops with him. And more importantly, I think his policies have contributed to rising gas prices. Ah, but wait, the media says fact check, Tim. Joe Biden's policies did not lead to rising gas prices. See, Joe Biden got rid of the Keystone pipeline, which would have streamlined the process of transporting crude from the tar sands up in Canada and down throughout the U.S. And he also banned fracking on federal lands, certain public lands. But that has nothing to do with gas prices because that, that's a long term project. And the real issue is there's a supply shortage. But uh, hold on. The issue isn't necessarily gasoline. It's inflation. Consumer price index, it's at 5.4% growth. It's massive. We are seeing massive inflation. So yes, prices across the board are going to go up. And this is the invisible tax on the middle class. Don't let them manipulate you. You see, what they're saying is it's, it's not Biden's policies <clears throat> on, on, on fossil fuels. 
No, I'm saying it's his policies on the economy. I'm saying it's Joe Biden's decision to keep printing money. I'm saying it's Joe Biden's extension illegally, the the illegal extension of the eviction moratorium, which is driving mass inflation. And what do we see now? Shake Shack is raising their prices. What does that mean? If people need more money for food, they need more money to work. If they need more money to work, they need more money to transport gasoline, which means gasoline will become more expensive. And gasoline is one of the most basic components of our economy. Regular people need to fuel their vehicles to go in, to go about their business. The media is trying to make it seem like this is all about energy policy. I don't think so. I think it is partially an issue of energy policy. And, and to be fair, I think the, uh, the media, their fact checks are completely disingenuous. But I think for the most part, it's monetary and economic policy that is driving up the cost of everything, which does include gas. Now, of course, Joe Biden is saying we want more supply. OPEC, crank up that, those numbers, man. We need that crude. So it sounds like what he's really saying is if we get in more petroleum, more crude, we can bring gas prices down. And that makes sense. Increase the supply. And we do have a fact check from USA Today saying the gas prices are going up not because of Biden's policies, but because of high demand and low supply. But then we also have the media saying there's no shortage of gasoline. If prices are going up because of a low supply, isn't it fair to say that there is, to a certain degree, a shortage, which is causing a massive spike in prices amid a demand that can't be satiated? All right, fine. I'm sure their argument is, look, low supply doesn't mean shortage. Now we're getting into semantics. So this is the reality. The book stops the president. His economic policies are driving inflation. That's, I, well, look, Obviously, everything's in dispute. I was going to say that's not in dispute. But of course, you've got establishment elements saying everything's better than ever. But regular people don't, don't seem to think the economy is doing all that well. Now, we do have more independents in the past few days believing the, the economy is fairly good, relatively split between those who think it's fairly bad. Most Republicans think the economy is bad. And I think when you look at the consumer price index of 5.4% inflation, which is record levels, it's not fair to say the economy is doing well. And what they're trying to say is, but things are improving. Things are improving. You know, we've, we've got 10.1 million open jobs and not enough people to fill those jobs, but that's good news. I suppose it's a glass half full versus a glass half empty. So I can tell you this. When I go to my local supermarket and they just put up signs everywhere saying $500 hiring bonus that wasn't there the week before, more and more stores around me are saying it's getting worse. And NBC News says COVID mandates could hurt the hiring process. And we're, we're hearing about inflation. I'm sorry, man. I'm not going to come out here and say the economy is doing great. Maybe it's doing well for certain people, maybe certain people in cities. And that's why Democrats feel that way. But in the end, gas prices are going up and it is the Biden administration's fault. But let's go through this. Let me walk you through all of this and I'll show you the polls. I'll show you the data. I'll show you the increase in prices and general inflation driving all of this. And I'll talk about why it's Biden's fault. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com, become a member, and you will get access to exclusive segments from the TimCast IRL podcast, plus new shows coming soon. And you'll also get an advertisement free experience. Look, no ads. You will be supporting my work and our fierce and independent journalists. So go to TimCast.com, sign up, but don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, share it with your friends. Let's read the first story from the Associated Press. Biden administration sounds alarm on rising energy prices. President Biden's administration is raising alarms at home and abroad about rising energy prices slowing the nation's recovery from the pandemic-induced recession. 
National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan on Wednesday called on the Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries to move faster to restore global supply of petroleum to pre-pandemic levels, as the White House asked the FTC to investigate the domestic gasoline market for any anti-competitive behavior that could be increasing prices. To me, it sounds like an excuse. You know, the prices are going up and Joe Biden says, well, you know, or I should say the Biden administration says, we're, we're going to investigate any anti-competitive practices. Yes, it's, that's right. It's the gas companies that are at fault. Well, show me some evidence. I, I've, I've not heard anything about anti-competitive practices. The joint actions Wednesday come as the Biden administration is increasingly sensitive to rising prices across the economy as it faces both political and policy pressure from inflation. You see, there it is. Quote, higher gasoline costs, if left unchecked, unchecked, risk harming the ongoing global recovery, Sullivan said in a statement. He said the administration was pressuring OPEC and producers allied with the cartel, both in public and in private, to, mo- uh, to move swiftly, I'm sorry, to more swiftly undo the production cuts that put in place at the start of the pandemic. Meanwhile, National Economic Council Director Brian Deese asked FTC Chair Lena Khan to monitor the U.S. gasoline market and address any illegal conduct that might be contributing to price increases for consumers at the pump. The FTC is an independent agency and may take advice, but not direction from the White House. Analysts are expecting the latest U.S. headline inflation rate due Wednesday to grow at an annualized rate of 5.3%. This is slightly lower than June's 5.4%, which was the highest in more than a decade. Gas prices are up about a dollar from a year ago as Americans hit peak summer driving. Uh, and return to roads after pandemic shut-ins. That's another thing they're trying to say. They say rising prices, both at the pump and across consumer goods, have become a potent talking point among Biden's GOP critics. The White House has insisted that inflation will cool as the economy recovers from the twin shocks of the pandemic and the nation's ongoing recovery from the virus-induced lockdowns. Who's the president? Joe Biden. Whose administration is it? The Biden administration. Who's, who, who's in charge? Who am I supposed to say is responsible for what's happening in this country? Joe Biden wants the extended unemployment benefits. Democratic uh, activists and politicians want the extended benefits. People are being paid not to work. We have more open jobs than available workers. Yes, inflation is hitting us hard and it's causing gas prices to go up. That's just basic math. Joe Biden's the one who extended or, or, or I should say recreated an eviction moratorium completely illegally, which is once again stagnating the economy and will contribute to driving inflation. But sure, Joe Biden's not at fault. From NBC, uh, this is basically the same story. White House calls on OPEC to boost oil production as gasoline prices rise. Let's look, look at some of these, uh, this, these here fact checks. We got one from June 10th. Fact check, rising gas prices due to high demand and low supply, not Biden's policies. The claim Joe Biden is to blame for higher gas prices. Fact check. True. Not because of the Keystone Pipeline necessarily, not because of banning fracking necessarily, which he banned both of and I believe probably will contribute, but because of every other policy that affects the price of everything else. Look at the bigger picture. What they're trying to say is banning Keystone and and fracking didn't make the prices go up. I don't believe that. Here's what they're saying. Look, Biden was sworn in on January 20th. When there already was an upward trajectory in gas prices. Yes. Now look previously. There were upward trajectories before that led to downtrends. We see it's going down and then uh, it goes up. So if we have gas prices at its lowest point in April of 2020. Hollywood is under siege, covertly compromised by a global adversary. 
The same Hollywood that sold the American dream to the world is now making nightmares a reality. The American way of life is being censored by the Chinese Communist Party. Some films have scenes completely altered. Other films have lost their funding or been canceled altogether. Some actors have been banned from China for supporting human rights. Hollywood Takeover is a documentary brought to you by the Epoch Times, revealing how the CCP has infiltrated major movie studios. Join Chris Fenton, a former Hollywood executive, and Tiffany Meyer, an investigative news reporter, through their journey in exposing how the film industry gradually lost its integrity on its path to profits. Don't miss the most important documentary ever made about Hollywood. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free on HollywoodTakeover.com Tim. That's HollywoodTakeover.com slash T-I-M. And then it starts rising. And then it goes down. And then it starts rising. Sure, maybe it could have gone up. Maybe it could have gone down. This is not evidence that it's not Biden's fault. That's them simply saying, well, it was going up a little bit before Biden got in office. Yeah, sure. And then he came with a sledgehammer and made it worse. How about that? I don't think Trump is, is completely absolved of any responsibility in his administration. But right now, the buck stops with Biden. He's the one who's got these policies in place. They say Keystone XL and other Biden policies don't affect today's gasoline costs. That is incorrect, but let's read. Many critics point to Biden's decision on the Keystone XL pipeline as fueling the gas price spike. But experts say there's no such connection. Experts. Who? Why? You see, who am I supposed to trust? My favorite. I've got a fact check from PolitiFact where they say experts say it won't raise prices, but experts say it will. False. You think I'm kidding? I'm not kidding. They say, even if construction was halted, the Keystone pipeline wasn't in operation and therefore wouldn't have an impact on current gas prices. That was something that would impact down the road. Right. Because speculators have no impact whatsoever on gas prices. Because when there is a major upset in the gas industry, people who invest in it say, I'm going to completely ignore the fact that Biden is banning fracking on public lands and shutting down the Keystone pipeline. Or maybe speculators will react based on that. There's a couple different ways to look at it. You can say they bailed out on the market with the loss of Keystone XL. There was a threat to the bottom line. And people said, I don't want to invest in the oil industry right now. But in actuality, many experts have said with the removal of the Keystone XL pipeline and the banning of fracking, it's, the, the, the expectation is that supply will run low eventually. And demand will remain high because demand doesn't stop for gasoline for the most part. I mean, in the pandemic, it kind of did because people weren't allowed to leave. But demand is there. Demand will grow. All this means that in the future, supply will be less, which means today speculators will buy hoping that Biden's policies make gas per barrel, petroleum per barrel worth more money, which means prices today are driven up by speculators. You see, what they do is they nitpick the tiniest detail. Here's my favorite. Low supply, they say. Court says the U.S. does not have a gas shortage. Now, this is from a month before that article. So maybe in the meantime, we did slowly start losing supply of gas. Or maybe their argument is, no, no, low supply and shortage are two different things. All right. Then I need for you to define to me what low supply threshold is and shortage threshold is, because I'll accept that argument that there's no shortage, just a low supply. If you can say a shortage means that uh, we have, you know, a million barrels and low supply means a million and a half. A shortage. What does a shortage mean? We have more demand than supply. 
more people want gas than we have gas available. Uh, sounds like there's a shortage if that's the argument they're making. But hey, don't look at me. We've got two NewsGuard certified news sources arguing different things. No, don't worry. I'll point out the holes in their arguments. First, we have from PolitiFact. I love this. A Facebook post says Joe Biden's order stopping the Keystone pipeline made oil more expensive for us to use. Mostly false. This is a this is from February 15th. You know, why I love this. If your time is short, PolitiFact says experts cite a number of reasons why consumers likely won't see price increases. Wrong. All right. Well, I got the benefit of, uh, of uh, hindsight. Back then, on February 15th, this, uh, this PolitiFact reporter didn't have the, 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 the ability of foresight, so he could not have seen that prices are actually on the rise. And so much so that Joe Biden, his administration, is issuing a warning saying, OPEC, we need more gas, more petroleum. But I love it. It's false. Experts say, cite a number of reasons consumers likely won't see price increases. Uh, price, uh, price increases. Uh, we are. To stay competitive, Canadian oil producers may absorb the added cost of transporting oil by rail rather than charging U.S. refiners more. Oh, well, I thought the other fact check said that we'd have to wait until Keystone was done to see what would happen. Oh, could it be that the Canadian uh, oil producers have decided to recoup their losses in the key- in Keystone by I don't know, charging more? Could it be that the transportation by rail, which is the same price because the pipeline was never built, but there's a major net loss for these oil companies, so they have to somehow absorb those costs by maybe making prices go up? Maybe, maybe not. They say oil prices are largely determined by world markets. Oh, that's interesting. And you're saying that shutting down the Keystone XL pipeline didn't affect the market in any way? Hilarious. Most of the oil to be carried by the pipeline would have been exported. Sure. Here's my favorite. They say no immediate price boost for two benchmark products. The price of oil trended downward in the time between Biden's order and the Facebook post. Yada, yada, yada. How experts see the impact on costs. Some experts expect that Biden's order will result in higher costs in the future, at least for producers, if oil demand recovers. Really? Amazing. Quote, it almost certainly will. Killing KXL does nothing to reduce demand for hydrocarbons. It will only make everything more expensive for consumers, says Michelle Michaud Foss, a fellow in energy, minerals and materials at Rice University in Houston. Constraining sources of supply, especially when demand is building, always impacts prices, Foss said. Give it a year. So don't you come to me and say Joe Biden is not responsible for this. They may as well have called this mostly true. If we were to look at what they've said right now, you, they don't expect prices to go up. They did. That they think in a year or so it will make prices go up. Then how are they issuing this fact check that says Biden, Biden's order stopping Keystone made oil more expensive for us to use? It's mostly false because it's going to make it more expensive for us to use eventually. Eventually soon. Absolutely incredible. Now, they did announce this is this is the transcript from the White House. They say uh, this is from Biden. Now, today's executive order uh, from the White House also directs the secretary of the interior to stop issuing new oil and gas leases on public lands and offshore waters. I shouldn't I shouldn't correct uh, them on public lands and off and offshore waters because there was a stutter wherever possible. We're going to review and reset the oil and gas leasing program. Now, when the president comes out and says that, don't you think that will impact the markets? 
that people will assume we will see limited supply in the future, which will mean higher prices because demand still exists, like I mentioned, from USA Today. The Washington Post article cited in the meme fact checks a Trump campaign advertisement that uses Biden soundbites to falsely claim he will ban fracking. The town hall article references Press Secretary Jen Psaki's January 20th statement on Biden's executive action to place a temporary moratorium on oil and gas leasing only in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. As we know now, it's on all federal land. If states that Saki confirmed President Biden will follow through with his campaign promises to ban new fracking on federal land, the article recaps an exchange between a reporter, blah, blah, blah. We get the point. From CNBC, this is, this is, this is a good one. They say, that said, at least some of the run-up can be attributed to speculators who have been accused in the past of manipulating crude prices and are active market participants. The latest data from the Commodity Futures Trading Commission showed speculators who as a group haven't been short oil for nearly two years, loading up on bets that crude will continue to climb through positioning that was well below a multi-year high reached in late 2013. Quote, typically traders, speculators and money managers are trying to gauge current supply situation and medium term outlook, said Justin Jenkins, research analyst at Raymond James. When you combine tensions outside the U.S. with relatively limited domestic supply, it makes the market ripe for more than usual speculation. To put it simply, now is the worst time to shut down a pipeline or to ban fracking because speculators believe that outside tensions plus a limited domestic supply means prices going up, baby. And if they keep buying it up to speculate to hold, they want prices to go up. Gas will get more expensive. Isn't it interesting? You need a real deep dive on this stuff to understand what may be happening. Now, I want to be completely fair. I think it's it's probably better to say inflation is a bigger component to this than just these particular speculators or the policies in general. I think it's a fair point to say if you get into the minutiae, that these pipelines weren't transporting oil, but because it wasn't built yet. But the interesting thing is they don't show you the big picture. They show you this tiny pinhole view of what's happening and say, see, how could how could Biden's policies have done this? Biden's policies are more than just his uh, gas policy from the Hill. Consumer prices rise 5.4% from last July. Yeah, you see the AP the other day said 5.3. They were wrong. I'm not the AP, but the people who are predicting 5.3, sorry, 5.4. Not the biggest increase, but 5.4 is massive. The Hill reports, consumer prices rose 0.5% in July and 5.4% over the past 12 months, according to data released Wednesday by the Labor Department. But the monthly pace of price increases fell sharply. The consumer price index, a closely watched gauge of inflation, rose at a much slower monthly pace than pace than June's torrid 0.9% increase. Even so, the 12-month increase in the CPI in July was, even with June's rise of 5.4%, the highest annual inflation rate since August 2008. As the reopening of the U.S. economy ramped up demand for a wide range of products. A sharp jump in travel, leisure and hospitality spending, dining out and other consumer activities recently made safer by COVID vaccines drove another month of price growth, largely in line with economists' expectations. And I will stress, what do you need if you're going to travel or dine out? You need gasoline. You need fuel. Or I guess if you have an electric car, you need to charge it. And our electrical grid is mostly powered by coal. Or other and, and other fossil fuels, not enough by renewables in my opinion, but just goes to show you, wow, 
Well, I, I don't want to sit here and act like I'm a big fan of the oil companies. I'm not a big proponent of Keystone XL. I just think you need to be honest with people. Hey, I'm Joe Biden. We're going to shut down Keystone XL. It means the supply will likely be limited. Speculators will take advantage of this, hoping for an increase in the cost of gasoline due to a consistent demand and nothing to relieve those pressures. So yeah, it will hit your pocket. Just say it. What's wrong? You can't be honest with your constituents. Look, many people argue Keystone was, at, Keystone was actually safer, that transporting oil by rail is more dangerous. There are more oil spills. I'm not an expert on all that stuff. I don't know for sure. I'm just pointing out, don't come to me and lie and claim that this has nothing to do with Joe Biden. It has everything to do with Joe Biden because he's the president. The, the buck stops with him. Now, my friends, oh, this is a dark, dark day. Shake Shack will raise prices due to looming inflation. Oh, I'm so sorry, everybody. Your burger is going to cost more. Now, I, I'm kind of being a, little, I'm being a little bit facetious because it's just a cheeseburger, right? It's not the end of the world if you can't get a Shake Shack burger or if it's a little bit more expensive. But the reality is, if the burger becomes more expensive, what about the guy who works in the city and he's a plumber? And, uh, you know, look, when you're, when you're out for lunch at work, you don't have time to go home and cook. You go to a burger shop. You go to a sandwich shop. You go to a restaurant. And you typically don't want to spend too much time waiting for your food. So you'll go to a place like Shake Shack where they fry that burger up real quick. I got to tell you, Shake Shack is amazing. I love that. They have that stuffed cheese and mushroom burger. It's, a, it's, it's just absolutely delicious. But they're burgers in general. Well, now the plumber guy walks in and he's like, I'd like a burger. Normally it's five bucks. Now it's six. I mean, that's, it's not an increase of that much, but you get the point. When prices start going up, the plumber starts charging more money. This just drives inflation. When gas prices go up, then the transport of these goods, the beef, the tomatoes, the buns, it's going to cost more. If it costs me $100 in gas to drive from this city to your city to give you the hot dogs or the buns or whatever it is you want to eat, and now the gas prices go up and it's up a dollar over where it was last year, which is about 30%. Now it's 130 bucks for me to transport this. Yo, I'm going to need more money. Sometimes people may absorb the costs. Sometimes they may just quit transport if the prices get too high. One example is local. There's a local barbecue joint and they, they put up a sign saying they weren't selling brisket because the price of beef had gotten so high, it wasn't worth the risk. If you, I think it's like 10 bucks for pulled pork or chicken. Brisket normally was 10 bucks as well. But if beef doubles and now he has to charge 20 bucks for that sandwich, People are going to walk up and go, I don't want the brisket. It's too expensive. I'll do the pork. Then he's going to say, okay, then I just won't buy the brisket. It's too expensive. That's bad for the economy. It ain't just the burger joint, my friend. It is also Tyson. Timcast.com reporting Tyson Foods raises prices of meat and poultry due to accelerating an unprecedented inflation. Now that's a bold statement. Fox Business reports that the Springdale, Arkansas-based food products company last quarter hiked its average price for pork by 39%. Beef and chicken prices jumped 12 and 16% respectively. Quote, we have seen accelerating an unprecedented inflation. CEO Donnie King said on the company's third quarter earnings call on Monday, inflation is up about 14% during our third quarter and 9% year to date. There it is, my friends. This is no joke. It's not a game. This is it. Inflation is happening. Prices are going up. Gas prices will ripple across everything. Now, if you're one of these people who just, I guess, believes whatever it is you see in, uh, in the media, then you probably have no idea what's happening with the economy. I've shown this uh, report, uh, this poll from Six. 
Uh, Civics is a, a, poll, a, a polling website. From January 1st, 2018 to August 9th, 2021, with 491,309 responses. How would you rate the condition of the national economy right now? Among people who identify as Republicans, 40% say the economy is very bad. 38% say fairly bad. 17% say fairly good. 3% are unsure. And 2% of Republicans say it's very good. Among Democrats, this one I love, 58% of Democrats today say the economy is fairly good. 19% say fairly bad, 8% are unsure, 7% say very good, and 7% say very bad. At least you've got a little bit more honest Democrats among those saying it's bad versus the uh, the 2% of Republicans who are like, great, it's going great. Now, who are these 7% of Democrats saying things are bad? I'd have to imagine it's like working class Democrats and probably leftists, leftists who identify as progressive Democrats who recognize the system ain't working. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout fastgrowingtrees.com code pool offer is valid for a limited time terms and conditions may apply fifty eight percent say fairly good now here's an interesting one when you look at independent voters it's fairly split but I think for the most part uh, the, the the overwhelming swing goes to the economy is bad check it out You've got 32% saying it is fairly bad. These are independent voters. 31% saying it's fairly good, but 27% saying very bad. That means 59% of independent voters think the economy is to a certain degree bad. And only 34% of independent voters think the economy is in any way good. 3% of independent voters think the economy is very good. We got to do something about this, man. The reason why Democrats probably think the economy is going well is uh, this is why I'm showing you this poll. It's baked into exactly what I've been talking about. When Joe Biden comes out and says rising gas prices, it's going to be bad for the economy, the Biden administration, sorry, not him specifically. And the media comes out and says the Republicans pounce on Joe Biden and, you know, things like that. Um, They claim the Republicans are wrong. Fact check false. Joe Biden's energy policies did not cause rising gas prices. Oh, that's technically the truth, the best kind of the truth. Yes, Joe Biden's energy policies may not have contributed to the rise of gas prices. It could be just in general inflation. Right right now, there's a trucker shortage. And it's been disputed a little bit, but for the most part, the reporting is there is a trucker shortage. If you can't get someone to work to drive the, the, the crude, the petroleum, the gas, how do you get the gas to the gas station? Well, how do you get someone to, you don't. So then how do you get someone to drive? Offer them a bonus. 
But what happens when they're like, yo, the government's paying me 300 bucks bonus not to work. I'm chilling until I have to get up. You say, okay, how much do you want? We'll give you more and more money, more and more and more money, more and more and more money. Now you've got drivers that are getting 30, 40% more to drive and they're like, hey, I'll take it. Wow. This is great. The labor shortage caused by Joe Biden's economic policy on the eviction moratoriums and the unemployment checks results in no drivers to to deliver gas, which results in massive price increases on the cost of the drivers and their labor and a massive increase on the cost of transporting that gas. And here's the best part. It's like a spiral effect because the tankers need diesel. They need their diesel fuel to drive the gas in the first place. So you're just hoping that it's cheaper. It requires less fuel to transport the fuel than it. Well, then there you go. Otherwise, it would be impossible to sustain the system itself. We, so, so we have these trucks. It's more expensive to pay the drivers. The gas has to go up. Whether or not Keystone or banning fracking has anything to do with it is irrelevant. But when they don't tell you that, when the fact checkers just say, Rising gas prices due to high demand and low supply, not Biden's policies. You need to ask why there is a low supply. It's because there's no drivers. Why are there no drivers? We're in a labor shortage. Why are we in a labor shortage? Partly due to the fact that Joe Biden is paying people not to work. There you go. There's other factors. The COVID mandates, this is from NBC News, are making people say, I don't want to work. And we are in a we are not in a good place. Democrat voters see a story like this and they say, oh, it wasn't Biden's fault. Independent voters are are split. Republicans just say Biden sucks. But you and I, you know, whether you're an independent Democrat, Republican is less relevant. If you are a discerning individual, you say, what policies by Biden? You see, this article talks about keystone and fracking, but it doesn't talk about economic policies because at the very least you can cut out the trucker argument. And that's definitive. In my opinion, that's a fact. Truckers are not available to drive the gas because of a labor shortage exacerbated by Joe Biden's policies. He is causing this. Now, they'll probably come out and say, I'm fake news. They'll say Tim Pool's title is wrong. Joe Biden's policies didn't do this. And they will use semantic manipulation. Instead of addressing the fact that I said there's a labor shortage and no truckers, they'll say Biden banning Keystone didn't affect this. False. Then they'll try and come out and say the labor shortage isn't Joe Biden's fault. It's COVID's fault. It is Joe Biden's fault. It is a combination of factors. When they want to come out and say, oh, but demand is high because the restrictions are being lifted and people are, are driving again. Oh, OK. Uh, where are the drivers at? Where's the, where's the labor at? Where's the workers at? Well, they're out there doing their summer driving. OK. Are they working? Apparently, they're not. So explain to me how demand has increased because people are active and driving their cars, but they're not working and we're in a labor shortage. Why my stores are putting up signs why there are more jobs available than uh, people available to take those jobs, but people are still buying gas. Because Joe Biden is saying, you don't got to pay rent right now. It's an eviction moratorium, and we're going to give you a $300 per week bonus. So a lot of people are like, I'm chilling. It is Joe Biden's fault. Make no mistake. I'm not saying that because I think I'm, I'm trying to convince you to vote for somebody else. I'm trying to tell you the truth. The media doesn't want to do that. They'll just probably say that what I'm saying is fake news. But I tell you this, this is a 32 or 31 or two, 31 or 32 minute long video. You want to address anything I've said in this video and claim it's not true. By all means, please do so. But this is an analysis, opinion, 
argument. I've shown you the sources and I have pled, pleaded my case. Do you disagree with me and think I'm wrong? By all means, argue why you think I'm wrong. Comment below. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you all then. What would you have said if three years ago I told you in 2021, the Texas House Speaker would sign arrest warrants for 52 Democrats who fled the state to block voter reform legislation? Would you have believed me? I don't think people would have for the most part. I mean, maybe some people would say, you know, it's entirely possible, but I I honestly think people would not believe me. I remember, based on everything we were seeing back in 2018 and 2017, talking to people about the bifurcation in this country, and they kept saying it would never reach this level. Never. Ted Cruz came out and said that there's clear legal authority to arrest these Democrats. PolitiFact says false. He's wrong. The amazing thing is Ted Cruz is a Texas senator and a lawyer. So who are you going to choose to trust? It doesn't matter, though. PolitiFact clearly falls on one side of the political bifurcation and Ted Cruz on the other. So naturally, you have one outlet saying they have no legal authority to do this. You have Ted Cruz saying clearly they do. It doesn't matter if they do or don't. This is the point that people on the right or whatever you want to call it in the culture war are going to look and say we have the the, the right and the means to do it. So we will. And people on the left will say, no, you don't. And they just choose not to agree. That's it. Now, I know, I know. You may say, Tim, Ted Cruz clearly is in the right. I mean, he's from Texas. He's a lawyer. PolitiFact, what do they know? I, I agree with you. I'm just saying that right now the response from people on the left is that uh, we, we, we've got one tweet. Let me just show you the tweet. Let me show you the tweet. The Republican Party is no longer hiding it. They are a full-blown authoritarian movement that must be stopped. Is this, it, where, do you, where do you think we go from here? Where do, you, where do you think this leads to? You've got mandatory vaccination that people are, are, are rejecting. You've got Joe Biden speaking to only half the country. And that's another point I made that I'll reiterate. When Joe Biden comes out and says, we got to do these restrictions and lockdowns, when the CDC says we got to do masks or otherwise, they're not talking to red states. The red states, for the most part, many of them, have already long since ended these restrictions and ignored this. The country is bifurcating or already is. And it's reaching the highest levels of government. Now, if you're not familiar with what's going on, the quick uh, gist of the story is that in Texas, you need a quorum in order to pass legislation. The Republicans want to pass voter reform, which doesn't even take away. So let me slow down. Because of the pandemic, a whole bunch of special provisions were enacted that made it easier to vote. Very, very easy. But it also reduced security in a lot of ways. Republicans say, let's walk that back only a little bit, not even completely. And the Democrats are saying that is fascism and they refuse. So Democrats have fled the state, 52, I believe, in an effort to block quorum so the legislation cannot be passed. Republicans keep now having special sessions because with the Democrats not there, they can't do it. So the Republicans are calling for them to be arrested. Now, what this ultimately means is that the Democrats, if they should return to Texas, will be arrested and brought to the, ch- the legislative chamber and the session will take place. I'm not sure there will be any like harsh criminal penalties or anything like that, but they can be arrested. The interesting thing is that the Supreme Court also, I should say, in re- regards to what NPR is saying, uh, I'm sorry, PolitiFact is saying versus Ted Cruz, is that the Supreme, the Texas Supreme Court sided with Ted Cruz. They can be arrested. So we've got some pretty big developments. This to me 
suggests. I think, I don't know, have we crossed the Rubicon? Have we come to this point where there is no reconciliation? The establishment Democrat types, you know, I exclude the general leftists from this to a certain degree because they're talking about some like completely other things. But there is an overlap when you get people like Cory Bush and AOC. But the establishment Democrats are, are, are gung-ho fascists. No joke. I don't use that word lightly. The Democratic establishment are fascists. Oh, I, I know. I can already hear the left. No, let, 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 let me explain. When you have the lucrative merger between corporation and state, the, the, uh, the use of private institutions by the government to achieve ends such as violating civil rights, then uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's at least Mussolini's fascism. And I mean, you know, he would know, wouldn't he? Others say that fascism is traditionalist authoritarian nationalism. And maybe I think I think the bigger concern is call it whatever you want. The lucrative merger between corporation and state. That's what we are seeing right now. That's what the Democratic establishment supports. And that should be scary to everybody. Here's a story from NPR. Remember when protesting Texas House Democrats abandoned the state capitol, then fled the state to Washington, D.C. to block proposed voting restrictions during a special session? Well, major developments late Tuesday mean they might not be able to escape the long arm of the law for much longer. This is awful writing, by the way. Republican House Speaker Dade Fellin signed off on dozens of civil arrest warrants for Democrats late Tuesday after a majority of the remaining representatives in the chamber voted to authorize the step. The Dallas Morning News first reported. The move came hours after a ruling by the all Republican state Supreme Court. You see how they do this? That said law enforcement can round up rogue legislators and bring them back to the state capitol's house chambers. The state Supreme Court's decision undid an earlier lower court ruling that said lawmakers could not be arrested. The 52 warrants seeking the arrest of the fugitive Democrats will be delivered to House Sergeant at Arms on Wednesday, according to felon spokesman Enrique Marquez, who spoke to the Dallas Morning News. Critically, it wouldn't take many arrests for the House to return to business. The newspaper reported a quorum is reached when two thirds of the 150 members are in the chamber. Since Monday, 96 House members have recorded themselves as present, leaving it just four votes short of a quorum. On Monday, State Rep Gina Hinayosa called out Democrats that had returned to the chamber and urged her party colleagues still absent to stay away. Quorum is still not met praying no other Democrats willingly go to the floor, she tweeted. If the Democrats are successful in denying the House its quorum, Republicans could be forced to end their second 30-day special session without voting on any bills. And what would have to happen is the Democrats could just never return. That's basically what they got to do. I think there should be a provision, uh, and and y'all in Texas got to figure this one out, for dereliction of duty. If Democrats flee the state, and are not there to do their jobs, maybe like after three missed sessions, then quor- then, quor- then you don't need them for quorum and they get marked off. Maybe the, 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 the places where they are representing can have a special election to send somebody else. The protracted battle started when Democrats fled the state. This we know. They say Democrats and voting rights. Oh, okay, I got to read this one. They say this. It, it started uh, to deny the chamber a quorum that would allow the legislature the ability to vote on Senate Bill 7. The proposal, which had appeared poised for passage, would cut back polling hours and reduce access to mail-in voting. You see, what happened was, as I said, the Republicans and everybody gave all of these special benefits because of COVID. Now the Republicans are saying it's time to shut off the valve. They're like, no, how could you? You're, you're, you're voter suppressing. Democrats and voting rights advocates say those and other provisions of the bill would make voting more difficult in Texas and could disproportionately burden people of color. Isn't that what they always do? 
Texas Republicans maintain the bill is meant to reinforce election integrity, but there's been no evidence of significant voter fraud in the state or elsewhere. That I love. Locking the door is making it harder for us to get in the house. And what's the point of putting locks on the door when there's no evidence anybody broke in? Seriously, that's your argument? We have security because we don't want people to break in. Think about the, 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 the oh man, the logical just fallacy, the, the ignorance. These are the people who are just like, what do you need a fire extinguisher for? Your house isn't on fire. Like, dude, we put the fire extinguisher there in the event there's a fire. We want to prevent the fire. Why are you even installing sprinklers in this building? There's no fire. There's no evidence of fire in the building. Dude, do you get it? They're trying to not allow these things to happen. And the funny thing is that they always come out and say, but there's no, there's no evidence that voter fraud occurs anywhere, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, well then that's still like no one's ever broken into my house. Therefore, I should not have any locks on the windows. There's very little evidence that in this area where I live, people will break into my house. Man, why do I have a security system? Because it can happen. It's a weird and stupid argument. No security because it hasn't happened yet. So what? We, we remove security from our elections until something bad happens? That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Well, here we go, man. This is interesting. We have an update this morning. Texas Supreme Court temporarily blocks judge's order that prevented arrest of quorum busting Texas Democrats. The Texas Supreme Court has temporarily blocked a state district judge's temporary restraining order that had prevented the arrest of Texas House Democrats who left the state last month in an attempt to stop the passage of restricted voting bills. The ruling means that many of the Democratic lawmakers who returned to Texas but continue to break quorum during the second session could now be at risk for arrest after state House Republicans voted later Tuesday to direct the sergeant at arms to compel attendance under warrant of arrest if necessary. But the 80 to 12 vote came just hours after the Texas Supreme Court ruling and was mostly along party lines with one House Republican voting against the motion. I'll tell you what's worrying to me about all this. It's this statement right here. Midas Touch. They're a, they're a Democrat thing. They're act blue, I guess. I don't know. They say the Republican Party is no longer hiding it. They are a full-blown authoritarian movement that must be stopped. There you go. This is, uh, where, where, do we, where do we go from here? In 2018, we weren't seeing stuff like this. In fact, in 2018, before the midterms, the Republicans were agreeing with Democrats on Russiagate. What losers. They were, though. I mean, you had a lot of Republicans saying like, well, we got to investigate this and we're in it because it's the uniparty. Now we're seeing something interesting. There is, I guess, the populist uprising, which includes some leftists and many of the Trump supporters and right wing populists, libertarians and ANCAPs and things like that. The problem with the, the populist left is that they too often just defend the Democrats for tribal reasons, which is insane because the Democratic establishment in power right now is the uniparty, which many of us have long been complaining about. The Republican establishment and Democratic establishment, basically the same thing. And now you have something different, I guess, a populist uprising. I think the leftists need to wake up to this. The problem is you have many prominent faux progressive shills pretending to oppose the establishment, but just suckling the teeth and taking all that money. From the Texas Tribune, Texas Supreme Court denies Democrats' request to overturn Governor Greg Abbott's veto of legislature's funding. Abbott vetoed a section of the state budget that funds the legislature, including salaries and benefits of 2,100 employees, as punishment for House Democrats' May walkout to prevent passage of a controversial voting bill. I don't know if it's fair to say punishment, 
it may be uh, so that they're forced to come back and vote. That could be it. But not only are they facing arrest, they're facing not getting paid. So there you go. Texas ain't playing around. They say Abbott vetoed the funding in June after House Democrats walked out during the final days of regular of, of the regular uh, session in May, killing two of his priority bills on elections and changing the state's bail system. Abbott then brought the legislature back for a special session. This we know. Democrats challenged Abbott's veto in court, saying it stripped their power as co-equal branch of government. But the Texas Supreme Court on Monday sided with Abbott on his veto that will effectively defund the Texas legislature, its staffers, and legislative agencies later this year. Y'all better get in and, and make that vote. Otherwise, you're not getting paid. So potential arrest, no paychecks. There's civil arrests. I'm not going to pretend like this is them throwing their political opponents in prison or anything like that. But boy, are we walking a dangerous line. We're, we're getting close to that line, man. Remember in 2015 and 16, there's a really funny moment where Hillary Clinton said something like, well, you know, it's a good thing you're not president then. And then Trump goes, because you'd be in jail. And then everyone's like, Woo, and they're all clapping and cheering. The media was like, how dangerous is it that Trump is threatening to imprison his political rivals? Fascism, despotism. We are increasingly worried about Trump's rhetoric. Yeah, we, we don't we don't want to get into that space where we're like, we'll we'll arrest uh, our, our political rivals. Sure. We're there, right? They warned us. The media was screaming how dangerous this was. Well, here we are. The funny thing is, I mean, still, it is the Republicans threatening to uh, or, or actually calling for and issuing warrants for the arrest of the Democrats. They're not throwing them in jail, though. But is this line not being crossed? Are we now at the point where Republicans will sign an arrest warrant for a Democrat? Whatever that ends up meaning in the long run, I honestly, I, I, I don't know. Maybe, as I often say, maybe everything just stops right now. Maybe right now is the time the Democrats walk in, they walk up to the Republicans, shake their hand, pat them on the shoulder and say, you know what? We were wrong and we need compromise. And the Republican wipes a tear from his eye and says, I've just been waiting for so long for the opportunity to shake your hand and compromise on these policy positions. And then they hug and then people pop champagne and they celebrate good times. You're cruising down the highway. Windows rolled down, tunes blasting from the radio. You're in the zone and living the dream. Suddenly, your car sputters, coughs, and throws a wrench in your whole day. Tow trucks, repair bills, the dream turns into a nightmare. Don't wait until car trouble steals your peace of mind. Visit CarShield now at carshield.com carlson. For nearly 20 years, CarShield has helped millions of drivers avoid the stress of major repairs. They offer plans covering up to 5,000 parts and systems, from your engine and transmission to electronics and more, all for a low monthly rate that fits your budget. CarShield plans also include unlimited miles, 24-7 roadside assistance, and rental options. Get peace of mind now. Visit CarShield online at carshield.com carlson. Join millions of customers and contact CarShield now to save 20%. Visit carshield.com carlson. That's carshield.com slash Carlson. Visit now. Maybe, maybe Joe Biden comes out and says, I want to extend an olive branch to all the Trump supporters. I'm, uh, you know, I'm here for you and we're going to do right by you. And then maybe, you know, a, a prominent populist Trump supporter, Marjorie Taylor Greene comes out and says, I'm here to work with Biden. And the media establish establishment says Marjorie Taylor Greene is doing an amazing job reaching out that olive branch to Joe Biden. Never gonna happen. Okay, you know what? I should never say never. I suppose it could happen. I just don't see it. Every step of the way in the escalation in our conflict, 
I have always said, maybe this is the, maybe this is it. You know, people are going to come to their senses and say, we got to stop fighting. We got to figure this one out. I'd appreciate that. You know, one of the reasons we had Charlie Kirk and Vosh on the show at the same time is to show that like, we probably agree on a lot of things that we should talk about. And then maybe we can solve those problems and work, work in that direction. It's too hard to do, though, honestly. And people are more obsessed with tribalistically hating the other, believing whatever fake garbage they can uh, uh, from the media smear machine because they're just hateful people. Is any of this really about policy? I mean, maybe. But for the most part, you see people on Twitter saying the Republicans must be ended because it's tribalism. I think ultimately the tribalism is rooted in whether or not you believe the media, because as you've seen, you know, I've shown you with the civics uh, polling. For some reason, independent voters and Republican voters think the economy is doing very bad or fairly bad. And Democrats, for some reason, believe that the economy is doing fairly good. Now, what's up with that? Because by any objective measure, the economy is not doing well. We had even NBC coming out saying vaccine mandates are going to hurt corporations because people are going to quit at a time when there's already a labor shortage and we have more job openings than people available to work. So don't tell me the economy is good. These people live in in some crazy, nightmarish, twisted reality. And, and you know what, man? I don't know if it's always been this way. Maybe it has. Because it used to be, what, three channels, three newspapers or whatever. Maybe it was always garbled nonsense BS. Maybe only now we've been able to, able to shatter the veil and see on the other side of what's been happening. Maybe it's new. Maybe it's the internet. Or maybe... We've always had a good glimpse of reality to a certain degree. We've had journalists willing to challenge powerful interests, even at risk of going to prison. We've had people like Julian Assange publishing the things the government doesn't want to be published. And he was a hero to the left. What's happening now with the Democratic Party is new. The expansion of a cult tribalist dogma. And I'm telling you, look, you can say that the Republicans were moral authoritarians in the past, and perhaps many of them were. You still had people like Tipper Gore who were, you know, very moral authoritarian. The point is, I think we used to actually have a touch of reality on all sides. Republicans and Democrats agreed on a lot of things, and they got a lot of things wrong. But for the most part, that's why we had people in America not too dissimilar. If you look at the Pew Research data, we can see that people were very close uh, to each other in opinion. The Republicans and Democrats overlapped substantially. Now, what do we have? Democratic voters believe insane things. They'll believe uh, one, two plus two equals five. And you think I'm joking. Now, I know maybe many of the Democratic voters don't actually believe this stuff. But when you look at the polling data and you see that something, I think it's the, it's the plurality, like of the high 40, 48 percent or whatever of Democrats think the economy is good. What is going on in their brains that they have not actually gone to the store and looked at prices? That they're not looking at the consumer price index. Do they, you know why? Because they go to the TV and the TV's like, everything's better than ever. You are happy all of the time. And they're like, yes, I am happy. Things are good. And then regular people, discerning people, people who are actually reading the news are going, oh, that's weird. Food prices are skyrocketing. Oh, that's weird. Biden is warning about rising energy costs. Biden of all people. How is that overlooked by these people in the Democratic Party? The media is reporting it. I'm sitting here reading it to you. Let me show you. There are people who choose what to believe. Fox News. Ted Cruz slams PolitiFact false rating over absent Texas Democrats after state Supreme Court ruling. Texas House Speaker issued civil arrest warrants. We know this. Check this out. From PolitiFact. Ted Cruz in an interview said, 
There is clear legal authority to handcuff and put in leg irons legislators that are trying to stop the legislature from being able to do business. False, they said. What's really amazing is that PolitiFact says false. It's not true. There's no legal authority to do this. And the Texas Supreme Court is like, uh, there is indeed legal authority to arrest the Democrats. Now, a district judge did prevent this, but the Supreme Court said, uh-uh, they can do it. So what's PolitiFact on about? What gives them the authority to assert something is not, is, is not correct. The funny thing is Ted Cruz is, from, is a Texas senator who is a lawyer. Amazing, isn't it? What do they say? What's, what's there? What, what, is, what, what does arrest mean? According to Sandra Thompson, a University of Houston law professor and director of the Criminal Justice Institute, the word arrest in the context of the House rules doesn't grant officers an automatic right to use restraints or unreasonable levels of force. You see, you have the right to use the level of force appropriate to arrest someone. That means you could see them play. If, if, imagine this. Okay. Agents of the state are seeing the Democrats deboarding a plane and they say, sir, you're under arrest. Come with us. And then the guy and then the Democrat says, no. Well, then you're resisting arrest. And when you're resisting arrest, you're committing a crime. If you're committing a crime of resisting arrest, the police can then use reasonable force to restrain you. If you then still continue to resist, they can escalate the amount of force they use to the point of even tasing some of these people. Here's what I'm trying to get to. In the context, arrest doesn't give them the authority. Here's what they say, quote, in a situation like this, they don't even have a warrant for a criminal arrest, Thompson said. I think we really need to be thinking about this more in terms of an escort than trying to analogize it as a criminal situation. Now the, war the warrants have been issued. You see, PolitiFact is wrong. They were wrong the whole time. And they think, and they've done this a lot, that fact-checking is getting an opinion from somebody. That is not fact-checking. Calling up somebody and being like, what's your opinion on the law? This is what's really funny about like all the election stuff last year. I had a, a, a smear piece say that although I didn't promote the fraud conspiracies, I entertained fringe legal theories. Yes, because... It, we have to see how the courts decide. Many things are possible in the realm of, 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 of law. You know what the problem with many of these Democrat voter types is, is that they think they live in a box and the box has defined rules and the rules are perfect. I think that we live in a world of men. I don't mean males. I mean a world of humans and human word is fallible. What does that mean? You can have uh, uh, how about this? We have speed limit signs everywhere. Don't go faster than 55. And everyone does. Everyone all the time is speeding at least five over. That's what they say, right? Don't speed, by the way. And so we know there's a rule. We know we're not supposed to do it, but everyone literally just does it anyway. Why would I then not entertain the possibility that human beings can just do stuff? It's amazing, right? The world they live in. If we outlaw guns, then gun crime will go down. And I'm kind of like criminals break the law. They don't they have, they have no respect for it. So your, your, your ideas make no sense. But these people, they think they're living in a computer program. They think legislation and law and, and, and precedent literally means this can never happen. Courts interpret things differently all the time. And you know what? I got to be honest. Many Republicans do this too. When I'm like, you should sue them for defamation. Oh, you can't do it because uh, uh, these standards. And I'm like, if you don't try, the precedent will not change. Take it to the Supreme Court to get new precedent. Human beings have to weigh in on these things. What does arrest mean? It means stop. That's what it means. It means to, to prevent someone from moving and to control their movement. 
and they say, well, there's no warrants. Our ruling, Cruz said there's clear legal authority to handcuff and put in leg irons. The Texas House rule states that absent lawmakers can be sent for and arrested wherever they may be found. But because absent lawmakers aren't charged with crime, it's unclear how the use of the word arrest should be interpreted in this context. This is because no Texas court has reviewed how the provision is to be enforced. Thus, there is no legal clarity. We rate this claim false. Editors note the story has been updated to include comments from Cruz's office. Well, they're trying to argue the most semantic of semantics. Well, what does arrest really mean? And, and, and can you really shackle somebody? I mean, yes. There's no legal clarity, they say. Well, PolitiFact has just disproven their own claim. No legal clarity means, okay, all right, uh, that, that's the funny point, because Ted Cruz said there's clear legal authority. There is. The Texas Supreme Court says these people can be arrested, but because they don't define what it means to civilly arrest somebody, NP, uh, I'm sorry, PolitiFact is arguing that it, it, and Ted Cruz is wrong. No, I think if there's no uh, legal clarity on what the arrest actually means. It means Ted Cruz is right. The, the authority to arrest them exists. Arrests involves restraint. Why wouldn't that be the case? Why would PolitiFact think that Ted Cruz, a lawyer and senator, is wrong in his opinion, but that some other expert is right in their opinion? And therein lies the main problem here. Ted Cruz gives his opinion. Professor gives their opinion. And PolitiFact says, we agree with this one because we chose to. You are morons, PolitiFact. And anybody who doesn't understand this is a moron. They live in a box. They think our experts are infallible, but Ted Cruz is not an expert. How about Ted Cruz is a lawyer and so are you? So how about the point is moot? The arrest warrants have been issued. Ultimately, here's the main point. I think the system is collapsing. The economy is in shambles. That's I, I, maybe, maybe I'll talk about that in another segment. We got so much news, man. Prices are skyrocketing. The, the, uh, like now the inflation's at its highest it's been it's, since bef- even before 2008, like going back even further. Was it 5.4 or something? I don't know. I got to check. Wow. I remember when it hit 5% and they were like, this is bad. It's like 2008 and now it's higher. Again, I got to fact check that. I don't have the other sources pulled up. So maybe that segment will be, will be coming up soon. Uh, I'll leave it there. Next segment will be at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I will see you all then. We are being given a warning and that warning is Sydney, Australia. The lockdown there is so intense, they deployed soldiers, the military, to patrol the streets to make sure people were abiding by the lockdown. You see, what happened was Sydney announced that they were going to lock people down, and then people said, I'm going to do what I want. Then the police came in and said, you can't do what you want. So they said, yo, we're going to protest. And the government said, yo, we're going to deploy military. Now, it's going to get worse. They're saying that even if you have multiple properties, they're banning you from going to like a vacation house. If you live in one in the, in the city and you have a vacation house somewhere far away and you're like, I'm going to get out of the city. They're like, nope, you can't do that anymore. You are locked down. And that, my friends, should be a big warning for everybody. You see, when the pandemic first started, people in New York, the rich people were like, we're going to leave. They left. They went to Martha's Vineyard or they went down Long Island or they went to Connecticut. They got out of New York City, and to a certain extent, many of them got out of New York State. Now you see what's happening in Australia. On top of that, they will be deploying more soldiers to enforce the law. Well, I guess I shouldn't call it law. I should call it edict. But man, do I got a weird story to start off with, a very, very weird story. Obviously, you clicked this video because of a different headline, but we're going to get into the lockdown stuff. We just absolutely have to start with this story because this is... 
Insanity. Suspected saline switch sparks vaccine stir in Germany. I am 150% opposed to what this nurse did. The gist of the story is in March and April, when people in Germany went in for the vaccine, a nurse switched the vaccine for saline solution. They don't know exactly why she did it, but they're saying it's because, well, she, they're not saying it's because, but they're saying she has expressed vaccine skepticism. Yo, if I go to a doctor and I say, I would like to choose this thing for my health and you swap it with anything else, yo, that's messed up. I get it. Saline is mostly harmless, but who authorized the doctor, this nurse to inject them with something else? If you want to go get vaccinated, it's between you and your doctor. And I recommend you go and have that conversation. But could you imagine a nurse switching out your medication for a placebo or for nothing? That's messed up. That's real messed up. But you can see the, the, the bifurcation, as it were, in whatever, whatever is happening here. It's absolutely insane. From Reuters, authorities in northern Germany appealed to thousands of people on Tuesday to get another shot of the COVID-19 vaccine. After a police investigation found that a Red Cross nurse may have injected them with, saline, with, with a saline solution, the nurse is suspected of injecting salt solution into people's arms instead of genuine doses of, uh, at a vaccination center in Friesland, a rural district near the North Sea coast in the early spring. Quote, I am totally shocked by this episode. Sven Ambrosi, a local counselor, said on Facebook as local authorities issued the call around to around 8,600 residents who may have been affected. While saline solution is harmless, most people who got vaccinated in Germany in March and April, when the suspected switch took place, are elderly people at high risk of catching the potentially fatal viral disease, the, the actual group who need to get that vaccine. Well, I should say, I always talk to your doctor, but I think it's fair to point out when we're talking about risk assessment, the elderly are those who are at risk. Police investigator Peter Beer Speaking earlier in a news conference covered by German media, said that based on witness statements, there was a reasonable suspicion of danger. The motive of the nurse who was not named was not clear, but she had aired skeptical views about vaccines and social media posts, police investigators said. It was not immediate clear what, immediately clear whether the suspect had been arrested or charged in, uh, in the case, which according to the broadcaster NDR has, handled, uh, has been handed to a special unit that investigates investigates politically motivated crimes. Local police declined to comment outside of normal working hours. You see, here's the issue I have with all of this. Extremism. If somebody goes to their doctor and they have a good doctor they trust and they say, what's my risk? And they say, listen, you're over 65 and you have a comorbidity. You should seriously consider this. I think that's between the person and the doctor. And if you are younger or you have Guillain-Barre syndrome or something like that, and the doctor says, I recommend you not do this, or it's a pregnant woman, that's between you and your doctor. Not me, not anybody else, not mandates. Creepy tribalist extremists who want weird apps for getting it out of buildings and stuff. This, on the other hand, is the other side of that coin. Going to a doctor, talking to them, it is not your position to tell someone else what they should or shouldn't be doing with their medication. This nurse crossed a line. Fortunately, it was saline. But could you imagine if you went into a doctor and you were like, yo, doc, I need a vitamin B12 shot or something. And they're like, OK. And the nurse was like, I'm going to secretly give him the vaccine. I get it. That's substantially worse because saline is harmless and a vaccine is an actual medication. The point is, I just I 
I, I cannot imagine going to a doctor and them secretly trying to stick me with something else that I did not consent to. I believe in informed consent. The nurse had no right to do that. Look, man, right now we, we, we have we, we have covid like like the, 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 it's, it's there. It's in the world. I don't know what the solution is. It certainly seems like the, the restrictions and the lockdowns are the exploitation of a crisis. We had Michaela Peterson on the Tim Castile podcast the other day, and she was talking about what covid was like. And, you know, it, it's not fun. We've had many guests who have gotten who have had COVID in the past and they tell us, yeah, yeah, it, it, you're fatigued, you're tired, you're coughing, shortness of breath. <gasps> it's not fun. Now, if you are worried about that and you go to a doctor and make a decision with them, I believe the doctor needs to give you all of the information they can. They should be able to answer all of your questions. And if they can't find a doctor who will. And if you go to a nurse and you determine based on your conversation with the doctor and your risk factors because you're an elderly person and they, they're vaccine skeptics, that, my friends, is actual anti-vaxxing. That is insane, in my opinion. Now, you get people on the left, the establishment, telling everyone everywhere, my, my issue for the most part is we must have informed consent. <clears throat> we must have people making the choices for themselves when they communicate with medical professionals. And I do not believe we should have government mandated vaccinations, but they can do it. It's been legal for some time and I'm no fan. I'm more worried about this from news.com.au. Big changes coming to Sydney's lockdown. They say a rejig of the single bubble banning trips to beach houses and a heavier ADF presence are among big changes to Greater Sydney's lockdown, with New South Wales police given 48 hours to redraft public health orders and get the state back on track. Police Minister David Elliott and Police Commissioner Mick Fuller briefed the NSW crisis cabinet this afternoon, with Minister Elliott and Health Minister Brad Hazard involved in a fiery discussion. During the meeting, it was decided that the New South Wales force, police force and their legal team will go away and look at redrafting our public health orders. According to nine, police simply believe, as it stands now, the public health order is next to impossible to enforce. Among the changes, people who are going to their second residences, like a beach house, will be banned from doing so. And there will be a big rethink regarding the single bubble. While it won't be canned, police are expected to tweak it to make it easier to check that people are only coming into contact with their one nominated person. The New South Wales government is also expected to request more ADF troops to come in and police these orders. My friends, you are on the cusp of martial law. Now, the key defining characteristic of martial law is when a military commander asserts what is or isn't law, and has supreme authority to draft or uh, remove certain laws. Colloquially, this is martial law, when the military comes in to enforce edict. I don't think we, in my opinion, martial law requires, I don't think it should require for this term, a military commander assuming authority, because you can have a politician standing next to the authority and say, oh, don't worry, you know, we're in charge. And how would you know anyway? When the military comes in, and says you can only be in contact with one person. Man, I hope y'all are paying attention because this is the canary in the coal mine. Australia is a Western nation, not too dissimilar culturally from the United States, but they have their own culture for sure. And this is what happens with no Bill of Rights. And this is what happened. What happens when you, when you have a disaffected population. 
when people just don't care and when they refuse to stand up. Too many people, cowardly, too many people say I have too much to lose and I refuse to fight. I'll just tell you this. I, I, I understand, <clears throat> you know, I don't have a family, as I often say, but I'll just remind everybody, if you do not stand up for what you believe in and get in that political, you know, uh, uh, get, in that, get into politics, then you will leave behind a world for your children where they will be unhappy and they will suffer. And that's, that's their inheritance, I suppose. That's what our children are going to be receiving. Melbourne extends COVID lockdown. No jab, no job in Sydney. I hope you all are ready for what's to come here because we're what, like a month or two behind Australia? Reuters reports Australia's second biggest city, Melbourne, will stay locked down for a second week after reporting 20 new COVID cases as it struggles to stamp out infections caused by the highly infectious Delta variant. Melbourne had been due to exit the lockdown on Thursday, the sixth for its uh, the sixth lockdown for its five million people in stop start battles against covid also seen elsewhere across the country have triggered triggered frustration and discord in Sydney. Police are stepping up lockdown enforcement while some laborers are being allowed to return to construction sites if vaccinated. You see, it's a uh, two tier system. You get the vaccine. Go live your life. And that's what they've been saying. They've been saying we're going to make it so that it's hard on those who are not vaccinated. I think informed consent comes first. And I think there are there are certain people who are unable to get the vaccine who would like to. And I think discriminating discriminating against them is wrong. And they and they are and they will be. Quote, if we were to open, then we would see cases akin to what is happening tragically in Sydney right now. Andrews told reporters in Melbourne, referring to an outbreak in Australia's most populous city that has spread to thousands, despite Sydney being in week seven of its lockdown. We have seen a surge in the number of cases. And that is expected to continue. New South Wales State Premier Gladys Berejiklian told reporters in Sydney, reporting another 344 new infections in the past 24 hours, close to the city's single day record. Berejiklian said the Sydney lockdown, which has grown to include several areas north of the city, will also be expanded to include Dubbo, a small city about 248 miles northwest of Sydney. The latter is scheduled to remain in lockdown until the end of August. Most expect the restrictions to be extended despite a recent surge in people seeking vaccinations. Byron Bay, a popular tourist spot near the New South, New South Wales border with Queensland and nearly 500 miles north of Sydney, was this week plunged into lockdown when a man allegedly drove there with his two teenage children. That's it, by the way. Authorities said the man, now hospitalized with the virus, has not cooperated with officials when asked about his movements. And on Wednesday, police said they have charged the unidentified man with contravening lockdown orders to stay at home. No jab, no job. Desperate to restart some major employment industries, New South Wales has allowed some in the most affected, affected Sydney suburbs to return to construction jobs around the city, but first they must be vaccinated. I didn't want to get the vaccine, but I needed to get the jab or I don't have a job, said Nick, a 31-year-old man who drives for an engineering company. He declined to give a surname. Australia has so far fared much better than many other countries in the developed world during the pandemic. With just under 37,000 COVID cases, the death toll rose to 944 on Wednesday after two people, including a man in his 30s, died in Sydney. 
But with fewer than 25% of the country fully vaccinated, Australia is struggling to avoid stop-start lockdowns that some warn could tip Australia's economy, the world's 13th biggest, according to the International Monetary Fund, into a second recession in as many years. Yes, I really do think that's the direction things are going. I think that what they're implementing is a two-tier system. They're trying to do the same thing in the U.S., and we actually have people well, expressing as much in Sydney from the New York Post. We are not the virus. Two-tier Delta lockdowns divide Sydney. Now, I want you to consider something. They mentioned in Australia, if you have a beach house, you are no longer allowed to go to there. That means if you live, it's, it's almost like, you know, in so, it's, it's like they're building a big wall. They've announced there's going to be a big wall between this portion of the city and that portion of the city or this portion of the country and that portion of the country. I wonder how much time you have left to get to that beach house before they lock you down completely. And then what happens if you're there? Are they going to drag you out and bring you home? I have no idea. From the New York Post, they say, Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has a over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's arkseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. arcseedkits.com. On the sands of Bondi Beach, one of Sydney's wealthiest suburbs, surfers and seaside walkers jostle for space, while joggers clog the nearby promenade and fitness buffs huddle around public exercise equipment. To the west, where COVID infections are greatest, stores sit shuttered on empty streets as some of Australia's most migrant-heavy neighborhoods endure heightened lockdowns enforced by high-visibility policing backed up by the military. About three-quarters of New South Wales states Nearly 5,000 active cases come from nine Sydney local government districts. Urban sprawl stretching about seven point miles southwest of the Sydney Harbour Bridge to the Blue Mountains, to the Blue Mountain foothills. The community here is really struggling at the moment, and they feel there's a double standard, said Bilal El Hayek, a counselor from the city's west who spends most days helping deliver food packages to people who don't qualify for pandemic related support. You see photos and videos coming out of the east, people on the beach. Whereas here, the streets are absolutely empty. Are you paying attention yet? The wealthiest areas dancing around on the beach, going for a jog, doing whatever they want. The poor and migrant areas locked down. So what do you want to, what do you want to call that? Class-based segregation? As Australia's largest city struggles to contain its worst outbreak of the pandemic, the harsher restrictions and tougher policing in its most affected neighborhoods have stoked resentment in its most vulnerable people. That feeling is especially raw since the Delta outbreak began in Bondi with an unmasked, unvaccinated airport driver. Though the whole East Coast city of 5 million is in lockdown, around 1.8 million in its ethnically diverse West are banned from leaving their immediate surroundings and doing any face-to-face -face work. 
Authorized workers must be tested every three days and masks are mandatory outside homes. The rest of the city is getting by with construction and property maintenance allowed. Fewer movement restrictions and masks not required outdoors. Schools, which have been closed citywide since June, are returning everywhere but the West. Even the refugee communities who came here 40 years ago. How do we think these people will feel in a situation like this? Alpha Moritakis, CEO of Sidwest Multicultural Services, which provides aged care and settlement services for refugees, of course they feel targeted. Mervat Altarazi, a Palestinian refugee who is also a Sidwest caseworker, said the police and army presence has raised doubts in her clients, many of them from countries like Iraq and Syria. It's like a shock for them as they believed they arrived in a free country. And they say we face the same that we've uh, of what the same what we faced in our home country. Some of them told me we are not the virus. New South Wales police declined a request for comment. Tim Suit from from Asane, trying to pronounce these names, a former federal race discrimination commissioner called Western Sydney the heartland of multicultural Australia. If we don't get this right, we will undermine the social fabric fabric of the city for years to come, he said in an email. I think they're going to. I think they are. I think they are cold, callous. They are uh, classist. If you are rich, go do your thing, I guess. If you're poor, we're going to lock you down because you are the stupid rabble. Now, here's my fear. It's coming here. I don't know how how it will be implemented. I don't know when. And you know what? There's there's a good possibility. Maybe it doesn't. But take a look at this from from, uh, the New York Times. YouTube suspends Rand Paul for a week over a video disputing effectiveness of masks. Dr. Senator Rand Paul can say his opinion. Not that I agree with him. I think you should talk to your you know, personal medical practitioner. Um, he, he, he wants to give his opinion as a doctor, as a legislator. They've banned him. They've also banned statements from Senator Dr. Senator Rand Paul when he was talking about a particular individual that you can't say on YouTube. YouTube took down C-SPAN. Is this not alarm bells? We are frogs in a pot boiling. I love looking at all, you know, 1984. I, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Orwell was trending. And all these establishment Democrats were like saying things like uh, Orwell is it was a socialist and he'd be making fun of you right now for trying to compare everything that's going on to 1984. But it but but it's true. You've got people who believe things that aren't true about the economy. You've got private. Well, I guess maybe 1984 maybe maybe is maybe maybe it isn't right because the government isn't taking over necessarily. It is a lucrative merger between corporation and state, dare I say, quite a bit fascist. I think Rand Paul should be allowed to have his opinions. I think Rand Paul should bring up whatever evidence he wants to bring up and make his point. And I think it should be challenged. But you know what I'll do? I'll do just that. First, defending his right to free speech. He should not have been suspended. This is creepy. The restrictions are coming here. We've seen them already in many ways. But I'll tell you this. Well, a lot of people like to say, you know, masks don't work or something like that. I actually disagree with that. I'm not going to pretend like they're the solution or the end all be all cure or whatever. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. What I can say is you've got the frontline coalition of doctors or whatever that group is called. They're the ones who talk about treatments to, you know, like they talk about ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. Uh, full disclosure, those things are not approved as any treatments, but these are the people who are advocating for that stuff, and they advocate for masks. No joke. They literally advocate for masks. These are the people that are being banned and censored. Okay, so 
while those treatments are not FDA approved, we're also seeing tweets from this is really interesting. Brett Weinstein tweeted this where uh, one of these doctors said that it looks like their protocol isn't working on the Delta variant on many people and that people should take this seriously. And then a lot of people responded with like, gee, there's a vaccine available, which is really interesting. It's, it, it, it is. Look, I'm not going to tell you what, what to believe. I think you should talk to your doctor about it. But I do think it's fascinating to see that even those doctors who are talking about alternate treatments are saying you should wear a mask. It's fascinating. Now, for the most part, I live in the middle of nowhere. We don't have to wear masks for, for anything. And uh, like in the middle of nowhere, you don't. You're in the woods. It's ridiculous. When you, when you see somebody uh, who might be sick wearing a mask, totally fine with it. When I see somebody wearing a mask, I don't care. You can do whatever you want, okay? I'm not about telling you to adhere to any kind of culture or authority. I'm more libertarian, all right? You want to wear a mask? By all means, I don't care. If there's a store that requires masks, and if I have the choice not to go there and go somewhere else, I probably just go somewhere else. But otherwise, I really don't care about wearing a mask in a store. It's always been weird to me that people, you know, choose your battles, right? But I I, I will say, right, let's let's not get into the... uh, the tribalism, you know what I mean? That's why, that's why I find it interesting that you have these doctors who advocate for these alternate treatments telling people to wear masks. Not, or I, I'll put it this way. If somebody wants to wear a mask, by all means, go ahead and do it. If a private business want, wants to say that you have to wear a mask, okay, fine, whatever. In Australia, the cops pulled a guy over for driving in his car without a mask. Now, that is insane. Here, here's what I was trying to get to. Like, I don't know, whatever, a little all over the place. The point of this segment, this whole thing, I opened with the nurse swapping someone's medicine. Dude, that's nuts. Don't take medication away from somebody who wants it. You might not want it. You might not like it, but people can choose to do what they want. If someone goes to the doctor and they say, I'd like to get this medicine, that nurse is insane to have not administered and given them saline. And then in Australia, sending the soldiers out in the streets, also insane. Man, I don't, I don't know how we, 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 we wade through this ex- the, the, the extremism. You know what I mean? YouTube should not have suspended Rand Paul. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.